This is Daniel Blair. Let's take you down to the Moto X Pod podium. What's up, guys? We're back with another episode of the podium brought to you by Cherubies USA. This time we've got the one and only Ryan Gauld. What's up, Ryan? Hey, not too much, Dark Side man. Thanks for doing this. I'm I'm extremely bored being <laughs> quarantined at home right now. So you're uh, yeah. you may be saving a marriage because I'm excited to talk about motocross. Oh, I love it. I love it. What <laughs> yeah. what is the what's the world like in the Great White North? Is it uh, similar to? Um, yeah, it's pretty similar, I think, to what you guys are. Obviously, I think the American numbers are a lot higher as far as who's getting it and where it's coming from and shutting down and stuff like that. But a lot of the local businesses and restaurants and bars are all shutting down. You can't go to anything over, I don't know, 50 people at it. So a lot of similarities, I think, yeah. um, to certain things. It hasn't quite hit maybe small-town rural. Obviously, Canada is very vast as far as landmass, so there's a lot of people that live in a lot of areas but that don't really have a lot of stuff going on. So, you know, they're still out doing things and hanging out in the yards and talking to their friends and stuff like right. that. But in the in the city in the city areas it's just like it would be in America. It's pretty closed down and pretty quiet. It's crazy times, man. Um so before we get into your podium, what do you what do you think happens with if it was up to you, what would happen with Supercross? I say they got to cancel it. Uh, yeah. I hate. I feel like it's it's this point of like you know, uh, especially in our world, we got these big egos. Motocross, there's nothing stops us. We race whenever and all this kind of stuff. But I think this just becomes the just a part of reality, humanity, whatever we want to call it. Of like, just all right, you know what? Let's all just step back and soak up our our egos and and responsibilities for a month, maybe uh, the two weeks that everybody's kind of talking about. And uh, you can kind of see that, it, or the objective is that you know it goes away or whatever it is. But I, I know it's hard. It's like extremely hard. And then of course, how do you make money? How do you get yeah. your stuff before you know? I don't, I don't need to get political or anything like that. But um, I think that they cancel Supercross, go in, go right into outdoors from the dates that they just announced there with the new series starting on uh, June 13th, I think it is in Florida, yep. and then try to and then do it in the fall. Like um, imagine how exciting the fall would be uh, for for fans, you know, and and. Uh, kind of stuff. And as, as this thing grows, it's, everybody's kind of realizing there's a little more to life and, you know, they, oh, maybe I can get this done now and all that kind of stuff. So it might be a, a good change for some and then it's going to be negative around, all around for the other. But as far as the sport goes, I say cancel FX right now, put it to the fall and we'll go outdoor racing and people can just live off YouTube for there you go. I don't know, three, three months. Yeah. I guess it's almost three months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it's going to start getting better and we'll start seeing things turn around and yeah, this, yeah. Would, this would be a bad memory, but let's let's get into your uh, your podium. I wanted you to give me your top three rivalries of all time. I gave you a couple examples: uh, MC Emig, Stewart RC. Uh, uh, shit, who else did I say? Um, uh, you J- said JSR and Clat. Yeah, JSR and Clat. So, you know, but what are, what would your? Let's start with your number three rivalry of all time. So this is something you do on the on the Moto X pod called Podium. I like this. It's yeah, a cool idea. I started yeah. this a couple years ago. I do. I actually do it separate. I do it on Thursdays, but then I kind okay. of I quit doing it for like the last six months just because I got lazy. But yeah, yeah. I need to put some content out. There's nothing going on. Yeah, and, you got all the you got all the time in the world yeah, now. <laughs> and Mathis is in Hawaii, so I got to take over the po- the podcast world right now. Can you believe this guy? Oh, the world's coming to an end. Let's go to Hawaii, Pookie. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> well, hey, there's not a there's not a uh, necessarily a worse place that you could uh, spend the end of the world. I guess not. I wonder who's picking up his dog shit at home there. Now. <laughs> that, that guy that's got that job. I met that guy a few years time, so I've been oh, there. I was I always thinking balls about that all the time. <laughs> I was thinking Dune Goon. You know, you got to so he's got his salary. He's already been paid. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. Everybody's everybody's ahead of the game up at Pulp MX. Yeah, show, that's for sure. No doubt. So. Well, let's get into um, this, man. What's your number three? Yeah. 
Well, number three, so I guess we're going in sort of uh, an order like that. Um, yeah. And I, we're, I could choose Canadian or American. Anything uh, you want. I grew up, yeah, I grew up very similar in, in uh, a little bit younger than you, but your era, you know, 80s, 90s were very popular for me watching and, you know, reading the cycle news and all that kind of stuff. And um, Johnson, Bailey, O'Mara, those kind of rallies, it was a little before my time, for sure, as far as the American side goes. Like, I would definitely agree with all in your text, the first one that comes to mind uh, would be the MC Emig type era with LaRocco in there for mixing. I mean, the 90s racing for those guys was uh, was pretty bar banging. Um, but I'll, I'll, my number three for sure is, is uh, I'll go MC Emig. Okay. Um, mainly because um, I, I'm, and my other two are going to be Canadian ones. All right. So, uh, yeah, for sure. Obviously, those are ones more close to home. But MC Emig, those are, I watched pretty much every ESPN. Uh, show that I could anything that I could on on a, a U.S. satellite dish that we would have like basically uh, illegally got in uh, my home uh, in Canada. Uh, it actually was like one of those big huge dishes that got the signal. My dad used oh, to know nice. a guy that knew yeah. a, knew a guy that knew a guy, right? So anyway, we got the dish. So I was able to watch a lot of those races right from about '93 um, right till it became you know kind of on speed yeah. uh, in the in the early years of 2000s kind of thing. So a lot of time. So. Um, that NC uh, Emma Gary, those guys went at it forever. Not a lot of amateur racing, um, which is something I followed as well, just reading it again in Cycle News. But once they got into pro, they kind of crossed paths a little bit in the 125s. But McGrath obviously took it ahead. But um, once they got on the big bikes, obviously, you know, the stats show that McGrath is way better in results and stuff. But Emig was always there. He was like that guy that just sort of never went away. He was like the coronavirus. Let's call him <laughs> the coronavirus oh, wow. from McGrath. He just never went away uh, and always busted his chops. And then obviously finally in 97, he was able to put it together. And But they were just so cool. And, and again, I mean, you know, just as good as I do, the 90s were such a great uh, following for those heroic type rivals. And they, they loved, they could chirp each other. And I actually raced a few of those races. I, I, I raced Supercrosses uh, started in 97, okay. uh, 98, 99. I did a few. I obviously was... Um, you know, I beat those guys a lot, but they never showed me on TV. I don't know why that didn't work out in my favor. <laughs> Somehow they just um, they they, boost, they, <laughs> they, they uh, yeah blocked you out. Yeah, I, I think it was a Canadian thing, man. I think that's what it was. So it was discriminatory. Yeah. So, um, but uh, I actually got to hang out and of meet him a couple times. Obviously, Emig liked his parties. I've bumped into him many a time at the bar and and had lots of laughs uh, when I was racing and stuff like that. And and uh, they were th- that rivalry was just like it was it was cool. Yes. It was like a cool rivalry because they didn't really give a shit about each other. They would chirp each other. They could poke each other. Emig was like very cool behind the scenes. You know, you know the Arnett sunglasses, and he always had super cool gear, and those cowies always looked badass. Uh, McGrath was a little more straightforward, but obviously doing the winning made him cool. You know, he had the earrings, though, and he'd dye his hair, the hair stuff yeah. like that. You know, the had the hair. Tips. Yeah, and then when he, when he switched from Cinecella to Fox uh, from 94 and 95, I believe that that, that made him like, even cooler because Fox was such a such a badass company, um, and then of course in '97 they came out with Shift, and then Emig with that. So they were sort of like quasi gear teammates, but enemies on the track. And yeah, I mean uh, it's pretty hard pressed to argue uh, if you're from America, not you know in that era to pick those two as not some of the best rivalry and races you've ever seen. Yeah, and you you would hear these stories, you know how much they disliked each other, but every once in a while you'd get a little whisper of them hanging out at the same time at Havasu or something, and you know, getting the stuff only through magazines or whatever, you'd be like, God, man, what would it be like to, to be there? There was no Instagram, no, you know, no Twitter, no Facebook. Yeah. So you just had to imagine what these parties were like or what these guys acted like. And it definitely. I can tell you what it's like. Tons <laughs> of hot chicks yep. looking to dig into their money, endless booze, awesome boats, and hot weather. 
Oh, I love it. Let's go back to the and 90s. And I would, I would presume there's probably a narcotic or two in there in time, but we don't need to discuss that stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's for another another uh, podcast. But, <laughs> They're adults now. It's all good. That's awesome, though, man. I, yeah. yeah, that was a fun era to grow up watching. Um, all right, let's get to some Canadian stuff then. What's number two? Uh, well, number two for me is uh, Ross Peterson and Carl Valancourt. Uh, so, obviously, anybody who listens to your show and listens to Steve's show, Ross Peterson is our iconic Canadian. He is the McGrath, the Roller Hannah, the, the, yeah, Rollerball, the O'Mara. The, he is everything that is epitome of racing. He won 46 titles over his career and has surpassed anything that's been Canadian. So his stat sheet alone is, is remarkable. Um, and he, he had people that battled him before, like a guy named Jeff Sirwell, and, of course, Al Dick was another one. But for me, um, again, the late 80s to early 90s, uh, when I kind of first started going to Nationals and being really serious about motocross, I was able to watch Ross and Carl, uh, Ross Peterson, Carl Valancourt, go at it. Uh, we used to call Carl Valancourt the manger de moto, which basically means a uh, um, the eater of bikes. <laughs> he would he was so hard on equipment, um, but he got the job done kind of thing. He was one yeah. of those kind of guys. And it wasn't like he was a rever, you know, like a Barca rever with the four-stroke issues like that. He just rode the shit out of his 125 and 250s, and he was a big dude on a 125. He was probably two, maybe not, I always think that he was bigger. He's probably like 180, 190 on a 125, mm. and so it was always hard-pressed for that thing, but he always had cool bikes um, with decals and stuff, and he was one of the only guys that could kind of get under Ross's skin. And I believe the reason was was because he was just kind of like, I think he was the right amount of dumb. So (laughs) he just let shit hang loose and went for it and was like, you know, fuck Ross. Like, who cares? Who is this terminator of men that crushes people? He was more like, ah, I just go out and do a throttle and and kick ass and don't give a shit and pick the girl up later, you know, kind of thing. And he was French. He was from Quebec. uh, Quebec, So, um, you know, he's got that sort of like... uh, that be left you, I'll yeah, come after yeah. you, kind of, you know, that way, the, back in the 90s, that's sort of the way that you looked at a French guy, right? Like the way Bale got looked at, he was he was the enemy. He was yes, always the enemy. Yes. Um, yeah, but it, they're still heroic in Canada because it's obviously part of our country. It's not a whole different country, but it's uh, they, they went at some motos when I was a kid, say right around uh, 13, 14 years old, watching them at RJ Motorsport in Barrie, Ontario, and then I got to watch them at this other track called Molson Park, also in Barrie, um, and they just... They would smash each other so freaking hard, and like they never talked to each other. They were never really friends. There was, but not real enemies either. They were just there to do a job. And and I remember seeing them in Molson Park in 1991, or sorry, 1992. Um, and Ross T-boned Carl so hard that they both went in opposite directions, and then literally just came back on the track two seconds later and just continued to race. And how they saved it or how they didn't break a leg or an arm or something, they had so hard. It was just, it was um, miraculous. It was unbelievable how um, how those guys uh, were able to battle and, uh, you know, kind of keep it to us. But Ross always came out on top, sort of like McGrath against Emmett. Ross right. was always always on top of Carl. Carl was able to get, uh, I believe he got four championships uh, away, but there was two that he actually took away from Ross. Uh, in his sort of prime, kind of end of years prime, and uh, but they were just they were like the first guys that I was able to sort of witness in front of my face that were just like they were animals, gladiators, like Russell Crowe beating the shit out of everybody in that movie Gladiator, kind of I like love just, it. just animals. You know, uh, they didn't have knives or swords, but they had a dirt bike, and it might as well have been the same damn thing. They were just ready to chew each other up and spit each other out, kind of thing. It was it was tr- truly awesome, and uh, like again, awesome to to see that kind of warrior effect. Uh, and when I saw it, I was like, this is just awesome. I yeah. was like cheering. They were, you know, they weren't fighting. It wasn't like 
fisticuffs. It was just like battling with their with their uh, their uh, you know their um, um, weapons, which yeah, is yeah, the dirt bike, which is what we liked. You know, so it was it was cool. So yeah, Carl Valcourt. And and Ross Rollerball Peterson uh, were my are my number two choice for that. Okay, I was going to ask if it ever got physical off the track, but you pretty well answered that. Did I? You know what? I think it did probably at times, but I never got a witness of that. I might I've caught rumors of it, but I don't think it ever got to a point like that. They were pretty respectful. Yeah. Um, as far as that goes, and I think the only thing that that Ross could have got jealous of was that Carl always picked up super hot chicks. <laughs> like he was like the dogger of Canada, man. He yeah. picked up. Um, a funny story just kind of off topic. In yeah. 90, 94, maybe 95, I think it was 95 when McGrath was right on top. Uh, one of the East Coast Supercrosses, uh, he, McGrath was supposed to come and do this like photo shoot and couldn't make it happen. And Carl Valancourt was a privateer doing the, doing the, 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 or the Supercrosses. And anyway, all the AMA girls just loved him. So they ended up getting him to do this photo shoot that McGrath was supposed to do that was in, I believe it was in, uh, cycle news or cycle now world or something like that. Anyway, it was like a two page spread for promoting supercross. And they ended up using Carl because he was just a good looking dude that was in like in shape and the chicks just dug him and stuff. And they had like a shirt off and shit, like a, like a fireman, uh, uh calendar or something like yeah, that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Sort of thing. But, uh, anyway, funny That's story right. about that. But yeah, Ross and Carl, they went at it and they were one of the first two warrior type guys I was able to witness, like in, in front of my eyes as a young kid that, uh, just made the sport even better. Oh, I love that, man. That's, yeah, yeah. different than what I, uh, I wasn't the, you know, not being super familiar with Canadian Moto in that time. I, I love hearing that. That's a story that, you know, I probably wouldn't have got without you telling it. So that's fantastic. Yeah, well, you know, it's, you could compare it to, um, it, neither one of them were super flashy in style, like in the Emig or McGrath, but to the era of like the late 80s, just those warrior type guys that you're, you're just hammerhead racers, you're kind of Hannah type dudes and um, Hannah's and, and like Jeff Ward something like that, just like hammer it out, get the job done. It, it, it might be ugly, but we're going after it kind of thing, you know. There was yeah. no real flash between those guys. It was just uh, just get the job done kind of thing and warrior it out. Awesome. All right, well, let's roll right into your top of the podium, number one. What's up, guys? This is the 70s trade out of Entercam. I'm here to tell you about Aturbis USA. For decades, Aturbis has been the leader in motorcycle plastic and accessories like full plastic kits, frame guards, chain sliders, hand guards. In 2020, they are the proud sponsors of Red Bull, Factory KTM, Factory Kawasaki, TLD KTM, and Rocky Mountain KTM, as well as many top privateers such as myself. All you gotta do is go to AturbiusA.com or call 1-800-659-1440 and y'all better tell them Motorhead Pajo sent you. Alright, well number one for me, uh, which is kind of probably funny that I'll pick these two guys, but because um, I raced them almost their entire careers, uh, obviously behind those the bastards, <laughs> um, but JSR and Blair Morgan. Oh, not JSR yeah. and Dusty Clatt, because JSR and Clatt uh, because you would have known those names because they were kind of just, you know, big names at the time. They only kind of came together in the one year yeah. uh, in 06 where Clyde actually dominated. He kind of came out of nowhere and, and did his thing. They weren't really rivals, but uh, JSR and Blair Morgan. So JSR came from the Carl Valancourt Ross rollerball era, and sort of towards the tail end of that, JSR picked up the slack for Carl in Quebec, and Blair picked up the slack for the West Coast guys. But right around 1996, all the way until 2003, uh, and then again in like 05, 06, just a little bit, those guys, 
man, they had some epic battles. They're all on TV. Um, and like I said, I, I, be, I was pro in 95 and uh, was racing these guys pretty much all, all the time. Uh, yeah, I, I pulled the odd victory from them out of there, but definitely not even close uh, enough to stat about. But the way that they battled each other was more, um, it was the warrior type thing plus the, the style and everything then, but they were so respectful. Mm-hmm. They were on the same team for, um, if they battled for 10 years, they were on the same team for seven of them. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it was, they were on the same team, like under the same tent, uh, Blackfoot, uh, Honda. They signed them both. Um, uh, actually, Blair was there in 2000, and then, uh, or sorry, they were both there in, in 2000. Uh, as teammates, kind of quasi teammates, and then in 2001 they were full blown 0102, 03, 04, uh, or sorry, 0102, and then 05 and 06 uh, and uh, 07, and they were teammates. So yeah. anyway, they they were always teammates. They were right side by side kind of thing, but they would always find each other on track. And, and JSR was the he was just a workhorse. He outworked everybody. He was not the most talented. He was the Carmichael. Um, and in fact, it's funny, uh, Ricky uh, invited JSR to his place when Ricky and Ezra had the folio. You know, Steve talks about that on the show, how Ricky, Carmichael, and Ezra Lust were really uh, training teammates right. in like the early 2000s. Well, Ricky had his falling in, however that went. Well, JSR ended up going down to where GPF is in Georgia. It was before it became a facility rating. And somehow they crossed paths. Well, JSR became Ricky's training teammate right around the end of 03, 04. And then, of course, we know Ricky went on some perfect seasons. JSR did nearly the same thing in Canada. Um, and then right around that time, too, is when um, uh, JSR and Blair were kind of coming to the end of the career, but they were still going at it every weekend. Um, but it was cool that JSR, or sorry, that Blair, he was still racing snowcross in the winters. Like, so yeah, Blair yeah. Morgan is a, yeah, he's a world iconic. He's like, the McGrath of Snowcross, right? Like, he changed the sport. He changed the way people rode sleds. Well, he's doing this in the winter. JSR is banging motos with RC in the, in the winter. And then all of a sudden, they come up in the summer, and Blair is able to find another gear and, and, and tack on because he was just such a, a natural sort of – he wasn't like, like watching, say, Kevin Whitman natural, but he could just make a bike work. He really knew how to make it stick to the ground and make the power really work. And then, you know, like I said, JSR was like your Carmichael type guy where he just worked hard. He would bang berms and smash stuff and be the tough guy at the end of the moto. But, man, those guys used to go at it so freaking hard, but then be respectful afterwards. Like, it's like they never even, you know, they'd hit each other, take each other out, fight each other basically uh, without real oxytocin fists. But then after the motos, it was like unbelievable respect. And to this day, it's still that way when they cross paths. And I always thought that was cool, even though I was racing them and I wanted to beat them. Um, I would, you know, I was more of the guy at the bar afterwards chasing the chicks. <laughs> right, and right. these guys were, yeah, these guys were chase, taking it serious and beating me all the time, kind of thing. But at the end of the day, you're just like, I still as a, I was still a fan somehow. I don't know how that makes sense, but oh, it does. I was still a fan of knowing what they did. And then afterwards, how the hell do they talk to each other? I fucking yeah. hate that guy, or you know. But they always found a way to do that. And then you know, like I said, in like the the rollerball uh, uh, Valancourt thing, I could watch them as a fan. And then these guys I raced, and I was still a fan. And maybe that was a bit of a negative against my career, if you will, sort of thing. I couldn't, you know, separate being a fanboy uh, and being a racer sometimes with that. But uh, just the amount of respect that those guys showed, just their the rivalry was it was uh, it was one for the ages as far as racing goes. And yet it sucks, you know, like it's not world known uh, because you know Canada's not on the world stage like that because they were just. It was awesome to watch them. The amount of respect that it's it, it's it's much like the like a Reed Carmichael thing, you know. You thought they hated each other, but you hear right. them talk now like they showed unbelievable respect, yeah, um, yeah, for each other in their racing days, and that's what these guys showed that. 
their respect was uh, was unbelievable. I mean, I could I could have put that on the podium uh, too. I guess the Carmichael Reed, those guys were obviously awesome to watch and super respectful, and that's kind of what I could you know parlay or equal to what I'm talking about with Blair and JSR. The respect side of things is what really kind of gave it the nod for me as far as a battle and a and a rivalry. Yeah, I think I like that when. I'm not one of those guys that has to have the drama between riders. I like the respect. Um, I like seeing that. I've said that a lot, just talking to friends. Like, I really would love to see – like, I could put myself in that position of a pro rider getting on the podium, and I think I'd be like, holy crap, did you see how fast he was going? You know, yeah. like, I'd be still be – I feel like I'd still be so impressed that I'd want to talk about that, you know. So, I, yeah, I, I kind of yeah. like that. I mean, I don't – I think that's good that they respect each other and – I think it's kind of like almost like what we're watching right now with the Tomac and, and Roxon. Like, yeah, uh, it was brought up on the you show there last week. Like, Dave, uh, I think Kenny was. Oh no, sorry, um, we did this thing with Roxon this week uh, or last week, whatever it was. And I listened to it. And they, he said, "They're like, you know what? I don't think we've ever had like a beef where we've hit each other or took each other out or had a moment of like, you know." And then he said on the show that they actually text each other. Oh, nice. Um, you know what I mean? So on the track, they're you know unbelievable warriors. But off the track, they show a line of respect. And obviously, I think nowadays, you know, you want your kid to see that. Be respectful, but kick ass, kind of yeah. the same way, right? So the, the way they're modeling each other, the way that we're getting to see it, it's pretty cool um, that it's like that. And, yeah, I'm like you. I mean, every once in a while, you're like, I mean, uh, after the Barsha and Tomac thing um, at Atlanta. Was that Atlanta? That was, San no. Diego started. Uh, yeah, that's right, San Diego. But, you know, you love, you like it. You get a kick out of it. But I think you get a kick out of it in a sense because you know that, one of them is not going to be a champion. True. And I think that is why it, 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 it extends into more dramatic scenery than respectful scenery because I don't think Tolmack gives Barsha the respect that he gives Kenny in the sense that, hey, this guy's going to be in it till the end. Let's, let's be cordial here, but on the track, we're, you know, we're fighting for this shit. Where when he gets to Barsha, it's just like, fuck, what are you doing? You're a fucking – he <laughs> thinks he's an idiot. Obviously, Barsha's riding amazing right now. Right, but right. He thinks he's an idiot, and you can't give him the same respect that he could Kenny because of the way uh, his skill set is or the way that he races, uh, races each other kind of thing. Um, but um, I think, the, for me, I, I really love giving love it, giving and earning respect and no matter what I do, whether it be work or on the track, and I think that uh, just kind of gives me gives that nod to the, to the rivalry between uh, JSR and Blair Morgan in my eyes. Good picks, man. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, before, yeah, dude, no problem. Before I let you go, um, what's the state of Canadian moto you think once we get back to normal? Is uh, Maryland gone? Uh, <laughs> I think that that part is definitely – the wheels are turning there for sure. Uh, it's still it's still a very silly situation. Okay. There. It's still stuck in, in a, an area of where it's like old boys court. Um, and Canada's always that way. Uh, you know, if you've done something for a certain long, the respect is there, and they don't really just kind of like, look, you're old, you're out, take a paycheck, disappear kind of thing, mm. um, sort of thing. So it's still a little bit in limbo that way. I believe it's got some progress, but to be honest with you, who gives a shit? It does nothing for our country. Having FIM or going into the nations or any of that kind of stuff, it sucks to say it, but it does absolutely nothing. Our our kids don't care about it. Our our local scene doesn't care about it. It's doing nothing for us. And until it does, then it's going to be hard to give it respect. And it sucks because I was one of the guys that took it to to donations, and Courtney Lloyd did it. But yep. after that, it does nothing. And to be honest with you, I have a feeling, and I've I don't know firsthand, but I've had people tell me that a lot of our racers up here are doing PEDs or getting away with something. Oh, wow. So if we bring in FIM, then there's going to be a fucking, we're not going to, we might not have any racers. Now, I'm not saying that's everybody, sure. and I've only heard it, it's hearsay, 
But if that's the case, and we bring that in, are we going to get uh, you know the same sort of stuff that's going on uh, down south and having the hiccups and good right. racers getting that, getting kicked out? Maybe they should be kicked out if they are cheating, whatever it is. But whether we want to jump through all those hoops, we're we're too small, man. For Christ's sakes, we let B riders ride our pro class in Canada. That's true. Like you know what I mean? We're not we're not big enough for that kind of political BS that kind of comes with that kind of stuff and. I, I just I don't think it, it'll make sense, but you know, hopefully Marilyn's gone and maybe she's got a good case of Corona. Oh wow! Uh, like there. the good case, like the one that wipes the one out, kind of. Yeah, thing. yeah. Well, yeah. I I've heard all the <laughs> heard a lot of the stories. We've talked to you and Courtney about it. I I yeah. don't know, man. I became a fan. I started watching Canadian Moto in '06, right when Clat was beautiful. Yeah, Clatt was well, yeah, that it. was Clat's year. Yeah, and then uh, like I think the next year he rode some Supercrosses, including Houston. Um, well, he rode for uh, Star Yamaha. Bobby okay. Rickon. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I I was uh I really enjoy the series. I enjoy the, a lot of the riders. I enjoyed the the announcing. Obviously, it was fantastic. You guys killed it. Um. So I I'd love to see you guys get things going in a positive direction. And I liked having you at Redbud. I liked having your team there, man. I, I think uh, Courtney treated me more more at home than any other team. Like she just welcomed oh, me yeah. in and. Uh, you know, I got to meet T Dags and Fasciati, and uh, it, you know, it was fantastic. So I, I hope it all gets back to a, a positive vibe all the time. Yeah, well, I mean, I we I hope so too in that sense. Um, I, it is a, a silliness that we got to go through because, like you said, the guys like T Dags or uh, our Fasciati while he's retired, or Cole Thompson. We we got a lot of great riders. Yeah. It'd be cool to see them on that big stage for sure without all the political bullshit because guys they train as hard as the guys in the U.S. They train as guys as hard as the guys in GPS and. They got some skills, man. They got some skills out there, and they love to showcase them against the best in the world, uh, even if it is once a year, yeah. uh, kind of thing. It, it, I, I agree with that, uh, but you know, the political bullshit is just whatever. That's just uh, it is what it is on that side of thing. And it, it's one of those things that's never going to go away until someone just is like, you know what, this is dumb. Let's just let's just go racing. Right, hey, right. here, Courtney. Here's the, here's the leash. Get going. Go chase your money. Get the money because you've done a great job. Go do it, and we'll see Canada at the race. Like who gives a shit about whose license it is or who's carrying this and blah 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 especially for that race it should be like the monster cup yeah fucking run like you run go for it let's go <laughs> sounds good you to know, me. There is no, yeah there's no fucking rule book or bs you just go and showcase and and give her up kind of thing awesome well galdi so. man i appreciate you taking some time during the uh the pseudo apocalypse hopefully <laughs> hopefully yeah. things get going normal we'll get you see you back in the pulp studio soon yeah, I love that, man. I love doing that and stuff. It was awesome meeting you down there at yep. the World Vets and love being a part of it. And like I said, I think you just saved the marriage. I'm in a great mood now. Awesome. I love it. I yeah. love it. All right, Galdi. Thanks All for right. taking some time, buddy. We'll see you soon. Anytime, Dark Side. Corona right. out. All right. See ya. Cheers. Bye.